Welcome to Arts Express. This is Prairie Miller and on the show. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the ten house gate. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears in rain. Time to die. And that was Rutger Hauer in that classic scene from Blade Runner. And the late screen legend who just passed away in July is discussed with our guest this week, Black Lives Matter activist filmmaker Dion Taylor. And namely because Howard showed up to star in Taylor's 2007 first film, Dead Zone, after the African-American director from Inner City Roots bypassed the Hollywood gatekeepers and, well, just asked him to show up. Taylor may also be instrumental in this Black Lives Matter moment in time, not to mention the suspected police collaboration in the storming of the Capitol of a possible new trend on screen, that is, orange is the new blue, and bad cops, black victims, breaking out in movies. And with his latest politically charged thriller, Fatal, a reinventing of fatal attraction, this time with Hilary Swank as a really bad cop. Taylor will also address the current black renaissance on screen and filmmakers of color telling stories their way, essentially challenging and breaking through the entertainment apartheid in the film world. Quote, a dedication to movies that look like the world I live in. First, some scenes from Fatal, then Dion Taylor. Life is a road, straight and narrow. Stay on the road, and it will take you safely home. But make a wrong turn. And you will meet the darkness. somewhere. I don't think so. It wasn't a robbery. Can you think of anyone who might want to harm you? Friends? Family? Or a woman you screwed? And discarded? Is this Prairie? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not, how are you, Prairie? <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Prairie. I appreciate it. Okay. Now, your first film as writer and director was Dead Tone with Rutger Hauer, who just passed away yes. recently. What are your uh, memories yeah. of that screen legend and directing him in a movie? Oh, man. I, I, I had no. I, I'm a self talk filmmaker. Self-taught writer, first generation. I know nobody in the industry. And um, I wrote this film. Took me five years of my life to try to figure out how to go get a movie made. And ultimately, I put this little horror movie together, and I have this great idea to go get Rucker Howard as my detective. And uh, I remember just, like, reaching out to his agent and calling, and no one would call back. So we wrote Rucker Howard a, a small letter. He responded to the letter. We got on the phone with him. And I'll tell you what the most beautiful thing is that Rutger Howard did for me in my life. He showed up. <laughs> he showed up. You know, I had nothing to give him. Uh, we had a little bit of money. But he came to my little film set, and he showed up and made a movie with us. 
And in between shooting, we had a couple of days off, he invited all of the cast to sit down, and he did a film school with them. And uh, I would never forget that. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. This dude is like, you know, he loved the craft. And um, as a matter of fact, he's someone I would never forget because he was the first star that ever came to me. And I was like, wow, he's a star, but he's a regular person. And uh, for that, I will always be appreciative of him. And though you're not the screenwriter, what was it about this story and these characters that spoke to you and your own life experience? Yeah, so I, I actually, um, Fatal, I created the story and brought it to David Lowry, who is my writer. Uh, me and him had wrote a film together early in the year uh, called The Intruder with Dennis Quaid. Mm. And uh, this story was just compelling to me, man. It, came, it began as an idea. And uh, I've always been a fan of just the 90s in general as, you know, a filmmaker. I just loved all of those classics, Basic Instinct, Fatal Attraction. Those movies really moved me and really was, you know, tip poles in my world where I was like, man, those movies are great. So when I had this idea a few years ago, I knew that I wanted to make something that could have staying power and that could be just as twisty as turny as those films were. Now, the film has been called a modern-day fatal attraction, as you've said, but the female villain in this case is a cop, and a white cop terrorizing a black victim. So how would you say this fatal attraction is a reflection of this present time in any way, and this Black Lives Matter moment in time, and as you as someone who's been active in the Black Lives Matter movement? Yeah, well, the character's played by two-time Academy Award winner Hillary Swank, and uh, Michael Ely is a victim. So, <laughs> so, so when you see the film, you'll really get a good understanding. Like, oh, I see what's going on here. It, it's, so, um, I don't think this is this is not a this is not a t typical. She's crazy and she's going after someone. That's that's what's completely different from Fatal Attraction. But uh, both characters uh, have something to. They have both characters have a secret. But yeah, in, in this climate, uh, obviously, I, I am an activist. I've, I've led multiple marches. Obviously, we've, with my platform, we've been able to get thousands and thousands of people to go vote. Uh, I'm always kind of weary and, I mean, uh, weary and, and understand what's going on in the marketplace. And movies like this, movies like Black and Blue, which I just made with Naomi Harris and Tyrese, movies like Traffic Around Human Trafficking, I always try to put something in the centerpiece of my film that is relevant and real to people. And Fatal is no different. Uh, the, the core subject matter of the movie is something that people are discovering and being like, damn, I didn't know that was going to be in there. That was deep. <laughs> and um, we're in a world right now what's called cancel culture, where you can wake up today and people put you on social media and immediately you're guilty. And I said, I want to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this movie is very interesting that way. And it's a very fun ride. But at the same time, when you come off the ride, you go, wow, that was a really good story, but I learned something, too. Hmm. Now, there is also a black renaissance breaking out in movies lately and a creative challenge to cultural apartheid in the film world with filmmakers of color telling stories their way. How would you say you're part of that renaissance? Well, I, think, I, I believe there was a, a, a bit of a renaissance that's been going on. For me, when we talk about renaissance, we talk about ownership. One of the biggest things that black filmmakers and female filmmakers have never been able to really thoroughly do is to create content and have ownership in that content. So as we look now on what the future looks like, yeah, we want to tell stories that we, want to, that we, that we need to have told. We need to tell elegant stories of people that are successful, not just from sports or entertainment. Right? We want to have, we want to look on that screen and be like, wow, that's me, or that's someone like me. And I think that's the renaissance that's being trending in right now is really doing a great job of that. We're beginning to see ourselves on screen opposite other people. I love universal films. Although we make movies, you know, some black filmmakers are like, yo, every movie I make has to have all, a whole black cast. That's great. I've had those films. But I am a universal filmmaker where I feel like I would love to put a black male or female or brown male or female opposite someone of, of, of a, white, of, a white counterpart. 
because I feel like that's how the world looks. There's no all-black world. There's no all-white world. So when you look at movies like Fatal, where I put Michael Ealy opposite Hilary Swank, you look at The Intruder, where I've taken Dennis Quaid opposite Megan Good, uh, Black and Blue, Naomi Harris and Tyrese opposite Frank Grillo. I love movies that look like the world that I live in. Mm. So I think these types of voices like myself and others are actually kicking doors down and beginning to let, let people take notice that Film, is, film is, is colorful. Film is art. Film is what we all want to, you know, see and thrive. But at the same time, we got to also have these messages that resonate with everyone. You can't make a movie for everybody. So you got to, you got to just build these films and know I'm making it for specific audiences. And this is my story. How do you feel growing up black and from poverty in the Gary Indiana projects has informed you as a filmmaker? I think, I think. When, when we grow up in these, these you know, underserved markets, um, it gives us a different type of beat in our heart. Um, it, 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 it creates a, it creates an energy inside of our bodies to where we want to break out and we want to do, we want to do well. We, we want to fight harder. We want to go harder. We want to find, you know, more in life. There's so many incredible stories in that way, you know, but for me, I feel like, what happens is the advantage is you understand how to live life. Uh, you understand that you have to actually get out here to work to make something happen. You understand that nothing is taken for granted. But the biggest thing that we learn when we come from these inner cities is that that so many don't understand is how incredible life and family and health is. Mm. At the end of the day, man, when you don't have that that one radio show or your mom and dad didn't work two jobs to give you everything you had, the one thing that we really understand in those worlds is how tight-knit our families are, is how, how, how love and energy will get you through anything. The one thing that keeps us grounded is that we always know that love is not for sale and that family is everything. So when you fall, because you will in life, we don't normally fall that far because we, 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 already, we came from a place that was already on the ground. Okay, thank you so much, Dion Taylor, for calling into our show. Yes, thank you very much, and Happy New Year to you. Happy New God Year. God bless. And Fatal is out now online. And now on Arts Express, a radio drama special. Hi, this is Jack Shalom. Today, Arts Express is happy to present a new play by William Shakespeare. What? Impossible, you say. No, not if you're John Reed, who has written a Shakespeare mashup using Shakespeare's own lines and characters in a play John calls All the World's a Grave. Along with All the World's a Grave, John is the author of four novels, A Still Small Voice, Snowball's Chance, which is a savage satire of George Orwell's Animal Farm, The Hole, and Tales of Woe, a collection of 25 stories chronicling true stories of abject misery. Well, Hamlet, Iago, Romeo, Juliet, and Macbeth all in the same play? Yes, and more. Now, if you're familiar with Shakespeare's characters, you'll get a kick out of experiencing them in unfamiliar situations and relationships. If you're new to Shakespeare, why, then you'll enjoy the fast-paced story of betrayal, love, and intrigue. So, if you open up your totally imaginary, full-color, virtual playbill, you'll see the character list. Iago, a lieutenant to Prince Hamlet, played by Keyshawn Lucky. Hamlet, the Prince of Bohemia, played by Josh Michio. Juliet, daughter of King Lear, the Princess of Bohemia's military rival, Aquitaine, played by Mary Murphy. Romeo, a general to Prince Hamlet, played by Rick Tooman. Rosencrantz, an old college friend of Hamlet's, played by Marty Levine. And, of course, Guildenstern, another old college friend of Hamlet, played by Vivian Shalom. And, finally, the ghost of Hamlet's father, played by myself, Jack Shalom. The full stage version by John Reed is available from Plume Books. Now I'll get out of the way, and here's our quarto radio version of All the World's 
a grave. I, Iago, hate the Prince Hamlet. Nine or ten times I had thought to have yerked him here under the ribs. Though in the trade of war I have slain men, I lack inequity sometimes to do me service. Well-appointed, well-paid friends in personal suit to make me his general, off-cap to him, and by the faith of man, I know my price. I am worth no worse a place but Hamlet. For Circe says he, I have already chose my officer. Forsooth, a great courtier, Romeo. Oh, Romeo. A pretty piece of flesh that never set a squandron in the field. Mere prattle without practice is all his soldiership. But he yet had the election, and I of whom all eyes had seen the proof, alas, in crimson rivers of warm blood, must be belayed and calmed and go to war like a lackey for Romeo's glory. And therefore, since I cannot prove a lover, I am determined to prove a villain. To get my rank and to plume up my will in double knavery, let me see now. Plots will I lay. Inductions dangerous by drunken prophecies, libels and dreams, dive thoughts down to my soul. How? How? Let's see. Oh, Juliet, goddess, nymph, perfect divine, to what, my love, shall I compare thine eye? Crystal is muddy, oh, how ripe in show thy lips, those kissing cherries, tempting grow, that pure congealed white, high Taurus snow, fanned with the eastern wind, turns to a crow, when thou holdst up thy hand, Oh, let me kiss this princess of pure white, this seal of bliss. Oh, spite! Oh, hell! Joy at last for cursed deed! The gods for murder seem too content. Sweet Prince Hamlet, sweet husband, be not of that mind. For love of me, thou hast done a brave deed. I am up to the ears in blood. The soldier protests too much, methinks. By God, that all this is not overturned. Oh, much I fear some unlucky thing. Tut, is your love not strong? Why should you fear? Thou art thy father's, King Lear's daughter. There's enough. King Lear hath lost he and his daughter taken. Pray heaven, the old king may find a heart. Priest pray for enemies, but princes kill. Come, I know thou lovest me, and I know you love with your soul. But good Juliet, gentle princess, mock me mercifully, because I love thee cruelly. In truth, Prince Hamlet, I am too fond. But I say... God's benison goes with you. That would make good of bad and friends of foes. I do repent. But heaven hath pleased it so. Take me, fair prince, that contending kingdoms may cease their hatred, and this dear conjunction plant neighborhood and Christian-like accord in their sweet bosoms, that never war advances bleeding sword again. Lady, amen. Hamlet. My dear, it is almost morning. Sleep dwell upon thine eyes, peace in thy breast. Oh, wilt thou leave me so unsatisfied? What satisfaction canst thou have, dear love? Hail to your lordship, Hamlet. I am glad to see you well, Rosencrantz, or do I forget myself? The same, my lord, and your poor servant ever. Sir, my good friend, and, and where's your fellow? Gildenstern, good even, sir. My good lord. 
And what summons you to Bohemia? My lord, we came to see your father's funeral. I pray you do not mock me, good compeers. I think it was to see my mother's wedding. Indeed, my lord, followed hard upon. Thrift, thrift, Rosencrantz. The funeral baked meats did coldly furnish forth the marriage tables. What I had met, my dearest foe in heaven, or ever I had seen that day, Rosencrantz. My father, me, methinks I see my father. Where, my lord? In my mind's eye, Rosencrantz. My lord, I think I saw him yesternight. Saw who? My lord, the king, your father. The king, my father? Seasoned your admiration for a while within your tent here, till we may deliver this marvel to you. For God's love, let me hear. Two nights together, keeping company in the dead vast of the night, we have been thus encountered. A figure like your father, armed at point, exactly cap appears before us, and with solemn march goes forth and stately by. Thrice he walked by our fierce surprised eyes, whilst we stand dumb, distilled almost to jelly with our fright. And where was this? My lord, the churchyard where we watched. If it assume my noble father's person, I'll speak to it, though hell itself should gape and bid me hold my peace. I pray you both, if you have hitherto concealed this sight, let it be tenable in your silence still. And whatsoever else shall hap tonight, give it an understanding, but no tongue. I will requite your loves. So fare you well, within the churchyard, twixt eleven and twelve, I'll visit you. Oh, the air bites shrewdly. It is very cold. It is a nipping at an eager air. What hour now? I think it lacks of twelve. No, it is struck. Indeed, I heard it not. Then draws near the season wherein the spirit held his wont to walk. My lord, behold! Lo, where it comes again! Be thy intents wicked or charitable. Let me not burst in ignorance, but tell why thy canonized bones burst in death, have burst their cerements. It beckons you to go away with it, as if some impartment did desire to you alone. Look with what courteous action it waves you to a more removed ground, but do not go with it. No, by no means. It will not speak. Then I will follow it. Do not, my lord. Why, well, what should I fear? I do not set my life at a pin's fee, and for my soul, what can it do to that? Being a thing immortal as itself, it waves me forth again. I'll follow it. What if it tempt you to the flood, my lord, or to the dreadful summit of the cliff that beetles o'er his base into the sea, and there assumes some other horrible form of reason and draws you into madness? It waves me still. Go on. You shall not go, my lord. Hold off your hands. Be ruled, you shall not go. My fate cries out, unhand me, gentlemen. Still, am I called? By heaven, I'll make a ghost of him that bars me. I say away, go on. I'll follow thee. He waxes desperate with imagination. Let's follow. Tis not fit thus to obey him. Have after, to what issue will this come? Something is rotten in the state of Bohemia. Heaven will direct it. Nay, let's follow him. Speak, I'll, I'll go no further. The hour is near when I to sulfurous and tormenting flames must render up myself. Alas, poor ghost. Pity me not. But lend thy serious hearing to what I shall unfold. Speak, I am bound to hear. So art thou to revenge when thou shalt hear. What? I am thy father's spirit. Doomed for a certain term to walk the night, and for the day confined to wasted fires till the foul crimes done in my days of battle are burnt and purged away. List! List! 
Lest if thou didst ever thy dear father love. Oh, God. Revenge is foul and most unnatural murder. 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 Most foul, strange, and unnatural. Haste me to note that I, with wings as swift as meditation or the thoughts of love, may sweep to my revenge. Tis given out. A brute of traitors stabbed me whilst I slept in my bedchamber. So the whole ear of Bohemia is by a forged process of my death rankly abused. But no, thou noble youth, the traitor that did cut thy father's life, now wears the crown. Oh, my prophetic soul, Macbeth! I'd had a cursed, adulterate beast, Macbeth! With witchcraft of his wit, with serpentine gifts, wicked wit and gifts that had the power so to seduce, one to his shameful lust, the will of my most seeming virtuous queen. Oh, Hamlet, what a falling off was there from me, whose love was of that dignity that it went hand in hand even with the vow I made to her in marriage, and to decline upon a wretch whose natural gifts were poor to those of mine. Oh, horrible! Oh, horrible! Most horrible! If thou hast nature in thee, bear it not. Let not the royal bed of your mother be given to fornication and lust, but Howsoever thou pursuest this act, taint not thy mind, nor let thy soul contrive against thy mother aught. Leave her to heaven, and to those thorns that in her bosom lodge to prick and sting her. Fare thee well at once, the glowworm shows the maton to be near. Adieu, adieu, Hamlet, remember me, remember me, remember me. Aye, thou poor ghost, while memory holds a seat in this distracted globe, remember thee, yea, from the table of my memory, I'll wipe away all trivial fond records, all saws of books, all forms, all pressures past, that youth and observation copied there, and thy commandment all alone shall live within the book and volume of my brain, unmixed with baser matter, yes, by heaven, O most pernicious woman, O villain, villain, smiling, damned Villain! That one may smile and smile and be a villain! At least I am sure it may be so in Bohemia. How now, Juliet? What's the matter? Oh, Romeo, Romeo, I have been so affrighted. With what in the name of God? Oh, General, as I walked in the churchyard, my husband, Hamlet, with his tublet all unbraced, no hat upon his head, his stockings fouled, ungartered, and downjived to his ankle, pale as his shirt, his knees knocking each other, and with a look so piteous in purport as if he'd been loosed out of hell. To speak of horrors, he comes before me. Mad for thy love? Good sir, I do not know, but truly I do fear it. Sweet flower, 
fear not a soldier's tyrannous passion. This is the very ecstasy of love, whose violent property fordoes itself. Your ladyship, this is a soldier's kiss. On my life, he loves you. And I am sure that your good beauties be the happy cause of Hamlet's wildness. I wish it nay. Ha, Hamlet, I like not that. What dost thou say, Iago? Nothing, my lord, or if I... I know not what. Was not that Romeo parted from my wife? Romeo, my lord. No, sure I cannot think it that he would steal away so guilty like seeing you coming. Did Romeo Montague, when you wooed my lady, know of your love? He did. From first to last. Why dost thou ask? I did not think he had been acquainted with her. Oh, yes, and went between us very oft. Indeed. Indeed, I indeed. Discernst thou aught in that? Is he not honest? Honest, my lord? Honest, I honest. My lord, for aught I know. What dost thou think? Think, my lord. Think, my lord, by heaven he echoes me as if there were some monster in his thought too hideous to be shown. Oh, beware, my lord of jealousy. It is the green-eyed monster which doth mock the meat it feeds on. I'll see before I doubt. When I doubt, prove. I speak not yet of proof. Look to your wife. Sayest thou? She did deceive her father marrying you. And when she seems to shake and fear your looks... She loves them most. And so she does. My lord, I would I might entreat your honor to scan this thing no further. Leave it to time. Villain, be sure thou prove my love a whore. Be sure of it. Give me the ocular proof, or by the worth of a man's eternal soul, thou hadst been better have been born a dog than answer my wicked wrath. Oh, grace, oh, wretched fool! That livest to make thine honesty a vice. Take note, take note, O world, O monstrous world, to be direct and honest is not safe. I thank you for this prophet. And from hence I'll love no friend, Sith love breeds such offense. Nay, stay. Thou shouldst be honest. I should be wise, for honesty's a fool and loses that it works for. By the world, I think my wife be honest. And I think she is not. I think that thou art just, and I think thou art not. I see, sir. You are eaten up with passion. I will not endure it. I'll have some proof. You would be satisfied. Would. Nay, I will. And may, but how? How satisfied, my lord? Would you, the supervisor, grossly gape on, behold her tupped? Tear her all to pieces. Nay, but be wise. Yet we see nothing done. She may be honest yet. Tell me but this. Have you not sometimes seen a handkerchief spotted with strawberries in your wife's hand? I gave her such a one. Twas my first gift. I know not that, but such a handkerchief. I am sure it was your wife's that I today see Romeo wipe his beard with. If it be that. If it be that or any that was hers, it speaks against her with the other proofs. Blood. 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 Your mind perhaps may change. My bloody thoughts shall ne'er look back, ne'er ebb to humble love till that a capable and wide revenge swallow them up. Now, by yon marble heaven, in the due reverence of a sacred vow, I here engage my words. I greet thy love, not with vain thanks, but with acceptance bounteous. Upon the instant, Now art thou my general. I am your own forever. Golden lads and girls all must as chimney sweepers come to dust. Well, that's... that skull had a tongue in it, and could sing once. (laughs) Though this be madness, yet there is method in it. Whose graves is, sir? Yet it is mine, Iago. Who dost thou dig it for? For the one to be buried in it. All lovers, young, all lovers must 
consigned to thee and come to dust. Ah, here's a skull now. Oh, whose was it? Nay, I know not. Let me see. Ha! Alas, poor Yorick. I knew him well. Iago, tell me one thing. What's that, my lord? Why should nature build so foul a den? The gods delight in tragedy. The hungry wars... The widow's tears, the orphan's cries, the dead man's bloods, the pining maiden's groans. Oh heavens, can you hear the maiden's groan? Such groans I never remember to have heard. What? To be naked with her friend in bed, and an hour or more, not meaning any harm? Naked in bed, Iago, and not mean harm? So they do nothing. Tis a venial slip, but if a man gives his wife a handkerchief... What then? Why, then, tis hers, my lord, and being hers, she may, I think, bestow it on any man. She is protectress of her honor, too. May she give that? Her honor is an essence that's not seen. They have it very oft that have it not, but for the handkerchief. By heaven, I would most gladly have forgot it. Thou saidst it comes o'er my memory, as doth the raven or the affected house, boding to all. He had my handkerchief. Aye, what of that? That's not so good now. What? If I had said I had seen him do you wrong, or heard him say, as knaves be such abroad, who cannot choose but they must blab? Hath he said anything? He hath, my lord. But be you well assured, no more than he'll unswear. What hath he said? Faith, that he did. I know not what he did. What? What? Lie. With her? With her, on her, what you will. Lie with her? Lie on her? We say lie on her when they belly her. Lie with her, that's... Fulsome handkerchief confessions, handkerchief to confess and to be hanged for his labor, first to be hanged and then to confess. Noses, ears, and lips, it's possible! Confess, handkerchief, devil! Work on my medicine, work. Thus credulous fools are caught, and many worthy and chaste dames, even thus, all guiltless meet reproach. What ho, my lord, what ho, my lord, I say Hamlet. Oh, where is Romeo? He's walking in the garden laughing as, ah ha ha he, what's fair is foolish and foolish is foul. Bring me to Romeo. Come, sir. Alas, good general, alas, good Romeo. Oh, Romeo, my lord is not my lord. He leaves me, scorns me. The boy disdains me. There is no woman's sides can bide the beating as love doth give my heart. He has turned wild in nature, as he would make war with mankind. The image of a wicked, heinous fault lives in his eye. That close aspect of his does show the mood of a much-troubled beast. Who is man that is not angry? Is my lord angry? I have seen the cannon when it hath blown his ranks into the air, and, like the devil in his very sight, puffed his own army. And can he be angry? There's matter in him indeed if he be angry. Something sure of state, either trade or traffic, or whisper o'er the world's diameter, made demonstrable here in Bohemia, hath puddled his clear spirit. And in such cases, men's natures wrangle with inferior things, though great ones are their object. Pray heaven it be state matters, as you think, and no conception, nor no jealous toy concerning you. Alas the day, I never gave him cause. A jealous souls will not be answered so. They are not ever jealous for the cause, but jealous for they are jealous. "'Tis a monster begot upon itself, born on itself. "'Heaven keep that monster from Hamlet's mind. "'Sir, amen.' "'Ha, a rendezvous.' "'Oh, Iago.' "'Did you not see the handkerchief?' "'Where?' "'He put it in his pocket.' "'Was that mine?' "'Resembles that it was, but whether it was, it is no longer.' "'Kill, kill, 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 "'Insolent villain!' Hold, hold, hold! A fine woman, a fair woman, a sweet woman. Nay, you must forget that. I, 
Let her rot and perish and be damned today, for she shall not live. No, my heart is turned to stone. I strike it, and it hurts my hand. Oh, the world hath not a sweeter creature. She might lie by an emperor's side and command him tasks. Nay, that's not your way. Hang her. I do but say what she is. So delicate with her needle. An admirable musician. Oh, she will sing the savageness out of a bear of so high and plenteous wit and invention. She's the worst for all this. Oh, a thousand, thousand times, and then of so gentle a condition. Aye, too gentle. Nay, that's certain. But yet the pity of it, Iago. Oh, oh, Iago, the, the pity of it, Iago. If you are so fond over her inequity, give her patent to offend, for if it touch not you, it comes near nobody. I will chop her into messes, cuckold me. Oh, tis foul in her. With mine officer. That's fouler. My lord, what is your will? Woodchuck, come hither. What is your pleasure? Let me see your eyes. Look in my face. What horrible fancy is this? Is fancy fair? The fairest is confession. Upon my knees, what doth your speech import? I understand a fury in your words, but not the words. Why, what art thou? Your wife, my lord. Your true and loyal wife. Come, swear it. Damn thyself! Lest being like one of heaven, the devils themselves should fear to seize thee. Therefore be double damned. Swear thou art honest. Heaven doth truly know it. Heaven truly knows that thou art false as hell. To whom, my lord? With whom? How am I false? Oh, Juliet! Alas, why do you weep? Am I the motive of these tears, my lord? If haply you, my father, do suspect an instrument of your dear father's death, lay not your blame on me. If you have lost him, why, I have lost him too. I hope my noble lord esteems me honest. Oh, as summer flies are in the shambles that quicken even with blowing. Oh, thou weed! Who art so lovely, fair, and smellst so sweet that the senses aches at thee, when thou hast never been born. Alas, what ignorant sin have I committed? Dissembling harlot, thou art false in all. Committed. What? Committed, committed. Impudent strumpet. By heaven, you do me wrong. Are you not a strumpet? No, as I am a Christian. If to preserve this vessel for my lord from any other foul, unlawful touch be not to be a strumpet, I am none. What? Not a whore? No, as I shall be saved. <laughs> Is it possible? By grace itself, I swear. I cry you mercy, then. I took you for that cunning whore of Aquitaine that married with the Prince Hamlet. You mistress that have the office opposite to St. Peter and keep the gate of hell. You, you, I, you. Alas, alas, he rages like my father. I durst, my lord, to wager she is honest. Lay down my soul at stake. If you think other, remove your thought. It doth abuse your bosom. If any wretch have put this in your head, let heaven requite it with the serpent's curse. Ha! Huh. By heaven, Romeo, that should be my handkerchief! Oh, Romeo, whence came this? I know not. Tis the first time ever I saw it. Take away his weapon. What ho? What ho? A messenger from the Senate. Now what's the business? Kingslear army now makes for Bohemia, so was I bid report to Prince Hamlet by Lord Polonius. Here I am set. I send my general. I assure you, I hold my duty as I hold my soul. <laughs> Not you. You, Iago, can do it, sir. My lord? Have you prayed tonight, Juliet? 
I, my prince. If you bethink yourself of any crime unreconciled as yet to heaven and grace, solicit for it straight. Alas, my lord, what do you mean? Well, do it and be brief. I would not kill thy unprepared spirit. No, heaven forfend, I would not kill thy soul. Talk you of killing? I, I do. Then heaven, have mercy on me. Amen, with all my heart. If you say so, I hope you will not kill me. <laughs> Yet I fear you, for you are fatal then when your eyes roll so. Why I should fear I know not, since guiltless I know not. But yet I feel fear. The handkerchief which I so love and gave thee, thou gavest to Romeo. No, by my life and my soul. Sweet soul, take heed, take heed of perjury. Thou art to die. I, but not yet to die. Yes, presently. Therefore confess thee freely of thy sin, for to deny each article with oath cannot remove nor choke the strong conception that I do groan with all. Now you are dead. Then, Lord, have mercy on me. I say amen. And you have mercy, too. I never did offend you in my life. The handkerchief. He found it, then. I never gave him token. Oh, perjured woman, thou dost stone my heart. By heaven, I saw my handkerchief in his pocket. I never gave it to him. Let him confess. Sir. Speak no more, for thou art still as a soldier. Alas, why gnaw you so your nether lip? Some bloody passion shakes your very frame. These are portents. But yet I hope, I hope, they do not point on me. Peace and be still. Kill me tomorrow. Let me live tonight. Down, strumpet. Will you come to my bed, my lord? A strumpet in my bed? But half an hour. I shall be saved. Nay, I'll not shed her blood. Nor scar that finer skin of hers than snow and smooth as unmonumental alabaster. Yet she must die, else she'll betray more men. Tis the last service that I shall command of you. Sir, what you will command me will I do. Romeo, kill Juliet. Kill her dead. Oh no, no, no! What I can do, I will. Do it not by the sword. Strangle her. Good. Good. The justice of it pleases. Very good. Excellent. Good. Even by the hand she had contaminated. Forgive me, God. The judgment only doth belong to thee. But what were it to make my sin greater? For here lies Juliet, my truest princess, and here stands her foul executioner. Oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Aha! Gracious Lord, for, for I submit. I am a soldier and will abide my prince. But ere I go, conduct me to Macbeth, that I may wash my bare hands in his heart and set a golden crown upon your head and live to say, the king, the dog is dead. <laughs> Alas, poor Romeo. You are already dead. <sighs> Who hath done this, my lord? Why, I can smile and murder whilst I smile. 
But where is Juliet? I saw her hence. She is dead. What? She's dead? This murder? I. <laughs> Upon what cause? Because my name is Hamlet. I think you are stark mad. You have no cause? Alas, I shall not know, but live in doubt. No cause. This deed is chronicled in hell. Where is the king? He is to blame for this. What means, my lordship, that he stares so wildly? I can no other answer make but Macbeth. Oh, he is mad. Well, well, come on. Who else? Who else would let my blood? Who else is rank as he that hath killed my crown and hoard my mother? This is his deed, and he must bleed for it. Let's hew him as a carcass fit for hounds. Go, my faithful friends, and trust nobody. There's daggers in men's smiles. Aye, sir. Send for the man. My lord, we are sent. Hamlet! <laughs> oh! Uh. To been listening to All the World's a Grave by John Reed, a new play mashed up from the works of William Shakespeare. A full stage version of John's play is available from Plume Books. The cast in order of appearance was as Iago, Keyshawn Lucky, as Hamlet, Josh Michio, as Juliet, Mary Murphy, as Rosencrantz, Marty Levine, as Gildernstern, Vivian Shalom, as the Ghost, Jack Shalom, as Romeo, Rick Tuman, and as the Messenger, myself, Jack Shalom. The drum solo is courtesy of Zaggy 2. The recording can be found at freesound.org under a Creative Commons attribution license. And the play was produced and directed for Arts Express Radio by Jack Shalom. This is Jack for Arts Express with host Prairie Miller. And that's all we have time for today on Arts Express, Expression in the Arts. And if you'd like to express yourself too, you can write to us at theradiogoddess at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Prairie Miller leaving the station. Wake up all the builders, time to build a new land. I know we all in the hand. The only thing we have to do is put it in our minds. Surely things will work out. They do it every time.